SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezo Mabete on SAFM. Workplace bullying, sick leave, things that ordinarily shouldn't happen but have always happened happening, especially in these times of COVID. And a cursory glance at the activity at the CCMA is everything you need to know about the times in which we live. So what are your preliminary thoughts on this? Good evening, Mr. Javi Saliers. Good evening to you and good evening to your listeners. Yeah, people are having a difficult time in the workplace these days. Not so. What are your findings so far and what does your research tell you? Uh, unfortunately, we are seeing a major, major increase in uh, the instance of bullying in the workplace. Now, to properly contextualize bullying and to make sure that we understand and being on the same page, we need to understand that mm. bullying takes place as a consequence of social stigma. Uh, and social stigma is when people are labeled uh, or stereotyped or uh, treated differently because of a perceived link to COVID-19. The level of stigma associated with COVID-19 can be based on the on, on three factors. It is either a well, it could be viewed as a disease that is uh, new to us, and that there are still more answers or questions than answers. Secondly, people are often afraid of the unknown, and thirdly, it is easy to associate uh, that fear with others, meaning people that are actually being bullied. Uh, to add to these comments, uh, and also linking into your earlier reference to the CCMA, uh, I've come across a rather alarming statistic a couple of days ago, the the CCMA that deals with disputes between employers and employees in the broad field of employment uh, released the following data, that between 27th of March this year and the 10th of June this year, uh, 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 278 uh, alleged unfair dismissal cases uh, related to uh, COVID-19 was received by them which clearly indicates that uh, bullying is not only taking place uh, when fellow employees uh, bully each other, but I suppose one can also talk about being bullied by your employer uh, in the sense of actually losing your job uh, just because you've acquired the COVID-19 virus. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Yeah, please do give us a call on 0891-104-207. Just a confirmation that we are in conversation with Professor Javi Selia, who is the Employment Relations Expert and Lecturer at the University of Stellenbosch's Business School, just giving us a base understanding in terms of what's going on. And I just want to add on to that. I mean, what we are seeing now is just stuff happening on fleek. For instance, there are those who have contracted the virus. Some of those have not contracted the virus. And yet the numbers towards getting this compensation um, for COID-related illnesses is on the increase. There are employers who are capitalizing on the tourism subvention that government has available to it and yet the employer the employer a bigger pardon is not the one who's ultimately the beneficiary thereof do you just want to at this stage confirm to us that some of these issues are criminal some of these things really shouldn't be happening over and above the fact that the workplace is always going to be contested terrain and that's why you have the labor laws the way that they are but right now there's just a clear case of, of those 
capitalizing on opportunity unnecessarily and those for whatever reason insisting on bullying in the workplace it really shouldn't be happening the way the facts on the table since COVID-19 started is happening no unfortunately not uh, you know the the employment relationship uh, in organizations regulated by a variety of different labor laws uh, in South Africa uh, we do not however have specific the uh, legislation that governs uh, bullying, uh, but uh, in my opinion, a case could be made out that bullying and harassment uh, actually falls into the same category. Now, harassment is dealt with uh, in terms of the Employment Equity Act as an example of a, a, a um, uh, unfair treatment uh, or unfair discrimination. Uh, and I do believe that uh, pretty soon we will have to go that particular route. A country like Australia, for example, a very specific legislation dealing with workplace bullying. I also might want to add that, that uh, you know, we shouldn't view bullying as something that has only uh, appeared now because of COVID-19. Bullying has always been with us, uh, and I can vividly recall, uh, you know, the high levels of bullying that we encountered in South African workplaces when we when we first dealt with the with the HIV/AIDS uh, phenomena in South Africa. So it's a it's a repeat or an increase of very similar behaviour uh, now, just dealing with uh, with the COVID-19 disease. You mentioned HIV and AIDS, and I suppose let's go back there because we saw a lot of stigmatization around the disease. Could it be that this disease, because it is so novel and so little is known, of course, progressively more and more is is being known about it. But generally speaking, the South African community and however you define community is still somewhat stigmatizing those people who have COVID-19. And could it not could this then for not be a repeat of what we are seeing as you have likened it to HIV and AIDS? And more importantly, because of that, is that not the responsibility, not just of government, but the employer itself to educate the people, therefore the community by extension, that COVID-19 is nothing other than a virus that you happen to catch like you would catch the flu? I fully, I fully support your view. Uh, I think uh, the, the, the scenario suffers uh, uh, seriously from a, from a lack of, of accurate information. Uh, and the only way we're going to improve the situation uh, is if employers take it upon themselves uh, as part of their responsibility in creating a, a healthy and safe work environment to educate employees on this particular phenomenon to make sure that, that uh, all communication is accurate based on scientific data uh, and it's not a bad rumours that, uh, that you read about on social media. Let's talk about some of the challenges now. How does one really engage a relationship with one's employer where one feels they are being unfairly treated or even bullied, bearing in mind the imbalance of power between the two persons, one's the employer, one's the employee, yeah. It's a very volatile My, time in the job market as it is. Yeah. Yeah, of course, job security currently being a major concern. My my first recommendation or my first port of call would be that uh, if an employee feels that he or she has been bullied in the workplace, is to follow, let's call it an informal approach. Approach your manager, raise the, the issue with your employer or with your manager. Uh, you could even use, uh, uh, if available, a grievance procedure and try to resolve the matter uh, internally by what I call a, a problem-solving 
approach. I don't want to make it sound too heavy, uh, but we, we, we're really missing uh, a, 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 a mindset, a collaborative mindset, because of the newness of this virus, from both employees and employees to say, okay, let's try and understand each other's needs and concerns, and in that way, trying to arrive uh, at a mutually acceptable outcome. Should that fail, uh, the internal processes that might be available not produce the necessary outcomes, uh, then I would suggest that the matter be taken outside. The only avenue currently available, uh, if, it, uh, if we talk about uh, bullying, would be the reference to the Employment Equity Act that, uh, that I've raised. Of course, uh, the employer's frame of mind, frame of reference, so to speak, is critically important. It, it, it's, it's, it's a requirement that the employee demonst- or employer rather demonstrates a willingness to solve a particular problem. And, and, and the problem currently is high levels of stress amongst employees, uh, huge concerns for job security, which requires intense communication on a regular basis. Calling in, especially for, for your workers that are working remotely, uh, stay in touch with them to find out how they're doing, uh, but equally so with the ones that are actually on the premises in the workplace. It seems like one of the critical ingredients that are especially needed now in the workplace, I think, to give it a, a term, is psychosocial support, checking up on employees who don't ordinarily report nowadays into the office. Those who have reported ill or who have taken ill, if not them, then their immediate family, just you as the employer to keep the proverbial finger on the pulse in relation to their mental wellness of the employees before things then, I suppose, the balloon pops. Exactly, because you must remember, uh, contrary maybe to, to popular perception, uh, many employees, irrespective of, of the COVID-19 scenario, that, that are currently working remotely, uh, they, they, they are socially isolated. They, they feel quite lonely. Uh, the situation is now aggravated with the COVID-19 virus, and checking in on, on them regularly is a huge booster. I, I, I see it happening in so many organizations as a, as a best practice where there is regular, frequent contact uh, by their managers with employees that are actually working remotely. Uh, It will also have a positive impact or contribution, make a positive contribution to the the psychological safety climate in an organization. And the best tool available to deal with that would be to, to regularly communicate and also to be mindful of the kind of, of communication language that we use. You know, that we, mm-hmm. that we talk in human terms. We don't refer to COVID-19 cases or victims. We talk about people that have acquired the virus. We, we emphasize the positiveness relating to prevention and treatment uh, uh, and a few others. But, but uh, I want to support your view that uh, maybe the best tool available, not that there's a magic recipe, might be very, very frequent and regular communication with our employees. We're in conversation with Professor Javi Celia, who's the employment relations expert and lecturer at the University of Stellenbosch's Business School. Workplace bullying during COVID-19. We are seeing a very different labor law landscape, a labor practice landscape, and just the traffic that is taking place at the CCMA offices the nation over, simply because of the tensions that have increased because of COVID-19. There are many of you who might be listening in on this and can relate because for some reason or the other, not just physically the 
relationship that you have with your workplace and the employer has changed, but even emotionally in terms of how things are taking place. And you might be feeling a little under the weather, literally, as well as figuratively in relation to your work. Please do give us a call on 891 Share your experience with us and then we might be in a position to assist, not necessarily give you proper advice for the purpose of attending to your matter, but just give you guidelines in terms of how the workplace itself has to not necessarily change, but certainly adapt to the conditions that you find yourself in as well as that of the employer. Khabli, let's have a conversation about dispute resolution. I mean, you touched on it earlier on, but at any given time, more times than not, whenever you institute anything in relation to not so much challenging the authority of the employer, but certainly challenging how the employer is engaging with you, be it through the grievance procedure in the workplace, if even the workplace has such a procedure, or reporting the matter with a colleague who's a contemporary of yours or one who's higher up in the ladder, like a supervisor or a manager, it invariably does become antagonistic, more especially when you take it outside the organization for settlement. How effectively can an employee navigate this, more especially vulnerable employees in this time where they're probably living paycheck to paycheck because the organization itself is living paycheck to paycheck? I mean, one's got to yeah. pick one's battles. The question is, how does one navigate this territory? Uh, yeah, we, we very glibly talk about the rights and obligations of, of the parties you've uh, alluded earlier to as a power imbalance between the parties. Uh, and it is a tricky situation caused by the poor quality of the employment relationship in South Africa. Uh, to, to quantify that for you, in the most recent World Competitiveness Report, uh, South Africa rated 138 uh, out of 141 countries in terms of the quality of that employment relationship, where uh, the simple question was asked was, how would you describe the, the employment relationship in your organization, varying between uh, adversarial on the one side and cooperative on the other side? The average in South Africa was 3,2, uh, putting it in that very, very poor position. And the reason, the reason why we do find ourselves in that position is that there's an extremely low level of trust in that relationship. The parties do not trust each other, and therefore most employers uh, would see an employee uh, raising concerns about COVID-19 as, as a challenge, rather as a scenario where we have to be a little bit creative and try to follow a, a problem-solving approach uh, to do so. Of course, there's, there's, there's protection in terms of, of being victimized, being unfairly uh, treated. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, that is not 100% uh, foolproof, so to speak, meaning that uh, these nasty things, uh, unfair dismissal and whatever, uh, might not happen to you. Let's take the example of being unfairly dismissed. Now, the remedies for unfair mm. dismissal in South Africa for COVID-19 is... Uh, if you're fortunate, you could be reinstated, getting your job back. Uh, alternatively, you, can, you will be compensated. I honestly do not believe, and that compensation is, is, is limited, is capped at 12 months' compensation. Uh, I do not believe you can compensate uh, an employee for the loss of his job. Uh, the Americans have a saying uh, where they quite often quote uh, a saying that uh, to lose your job is, is or to be dismissed is the corporate equivalent of capital punishment. And I cannot more than agree with that statement. It's the most serious thing that can happen to a human being. So the problem is not necessarily with the dispute resolution mechanisms that we have in South Africa. 
They are for Absolutely. all class standards. Make no mistake. And I don't want to engage in a debate, you know, do they favor the employer or the employee? They, they, they world class. The problem is more the mindset or the attitude of the parties making up that employment relationship and being required to use those mechanisms that might be available. I mean, when you're talking about world-class regulatory regime, I couldn't agree with you more. Between 95 and 98, you had the LRA, the Employment Equity, the BCEA, the Skills Development Act, as well as the formalization of the Constitution. And within the Bill of Rights, you know, the, 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 the labor regime is given special dispensation. I think essentially what you have said here, South Africa's majority anywhere of South Africa's workplace is very much a top-down approach. Very little is considered of the employees who, for the most part, carry the organization, and which is worse. You don't get the sense that the employees are appreciated. Hence, we score 138 out of 141, 3.2 out of 10. How does this change? Because it it, it definitely then speaks to systemic and structural challenges more than we probably care to admit. Yeah, uh, I can. I, I would like to respond by 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 uh, commenting as follows. Uh, just leaving maybe maybe any 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 structural changes aside. I think uh, both employers and employees should ask them uh, one very basic question, and that question is, what is the objective or objectives of the employment relationship? And I think it's threefold. One, it's about efficiency, which is an employer's concern. The business must be efficient, because if we don't have an efficient business, uh, we don't have employees. Secondly, it's, it's about fairness or equity. The way we treat employees in terms of uh, working conditions uh, and other terms and conditions of employment. And thirdly, very importantly, so something that you've highlighted in terms of hierarchy is what I call voice participation in decision-making that might affect employees. And, and we don't value that. We don't value the input of employees. I sometimes equate it to diversity. What's the value of diversity? The value of diversity is to be able to get different viewpoints prior to making a decision. And in that process, you're actually enhancing the quality of the final decision. And therein, I think, lies partly of the solution. Final question to you before we take a call up from Port Elizabeth and Umonde. Efficiency, fairness and equity and voice is probably at times more powerful for the employee than a good salary. Comment? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, we, we totally underestimate uh, the, the value that employees put on being allowed to, to, to just being themselves. To, to be able to express an opinion without uh, fear of any victimization, to be able to disagree with, with somebody else's viewpoint, uh, to be valued because of their contribution. And the mistake that we sometimes make is that employees are very concerned about the outcome. So, for example, if I was given an opportunity to input into a decision, I'm very concerned that my input will eventually impact or influence or determine the final decision. And the research clearly indicates that that is not the case. Employees value the decisions that their managers make. They value more the opportunity that they were given to participate in that decision-making process. Fantastic. Babungwanda calling us from Port Elizabeth. You have a comment to Professor Javi Silia. Your thoughts, please. Quick one. Tungane, as early as 1971, Professor Oluas of Norway did a master's of bullying in high schools. 
so much indeed. How much of that did you catch, Professor Leanne? Do you want to respond, please? Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've missed much of what he, what he actually said. Uh, but, I, uh, you know, one thing that I picked up is, is also his reference to the, to the, power, to the power imbalance, uh, which you've also highlighted earlier. I think uh, I just need to add to the power imbalance something that we need to recognize is that, that the employment relationship by nature is a competitive relationship. Uh, simply because what the parties want out of the relationship are not necessarily the same. And that's where conflict comes from. But that, that's okay. Uh, I mean, it should be there. Uh, conflict is not to be viewed as something, as something negative. Uh, conflict can be a great, a great contributor to, to growth. So the challenge is not how do, we, how do we remove conflict between employees and employees. We will we, never be able to do so. Uh, the focus should be on accepting its existence and therefore honing our skills on how to deal with the conflict. And in my experience, both as a practitioner and as an academic, uh, I have found that the capacity to effectively deal with conflict in South African organizations are seriously lacking. Uh, you know, we give up very high that, that we don't mind conflict and we can handle it until it happens. Uh, and then, uh, mm. you know, many managers are, are, are found in the ill, so to speak. Uh, they don't like the idea. They, they don't have the required skills to deal with disagreements. I'm not talking about destructive conflict. You know, if employees are unhappy about something and they decide to put the, 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 the building alight, uh, you know, uh, don't call on the conflict expert, phone the fire brigade. Uh, I'm talking about sure. constructive conflict. And most of the conflict in the employment relationship is constructive. It means it can be resolved. Yes, sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but we cannot name one example of conflict in the employment relationship that has never been resolved. That's like saying uh, a strike taking place is going to last forever. It will never be resolved. It will be resolved. Some just take longer than others. Let me ask this question in relation to conflict. There is, if you like, conflict between the employer and the employee, more especially when the employee tends to arrive against the employer. In other words, you get a really sharp tool in this box who simply is not going to accept instructions at face value or is going to prove that theory to be wrong or that solution that the employer comes up with to be wrong and does something, even sometimes with 
without the necessary authority, but nonetheless speaks to the efficiency that the organization is looking forward to or is looking to in that employee. In other words, you find an employee who is more gifted than the employer. That in itself is cause, not necessarily reason, but cause for conflict. In as much as you mentioned competition, there should be, I suppose, the balance between employees complementing each other, that's employees in the organization working with each other for the greater good, efficiency, fairness, equity, and voice, as well as being in a position to compete against one another for a promotion of I, I cannot, I cannot uh, agree with this one position available. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, sorry, you've been, you've been breaking up, but I'm, I'm, I'm back no, no, on no, one. carry on, carry on. Uh, I ca I... Carry on. Hello? I can hear you, so please do carry on. Okay, I can hear you now. Yeah, I, I cannot agree once again with you more, but, but, but I want to put in a slightly different perspective. You know, we keep on referring to employees, and uh, the traditional reference is, is to employers or managers on the other side. Uh, maybe it's time to introduce uh, a new label, if I can use that, uh, that word. And I, I like to refer to employees in an organization as stakeholders. Now, what is the difference between a stakeholder and an employee? My view is that an employee might only be interested in his paycheck at the end of the month or at his wage at the end of the week, whereby a stakeholder, please note, not a shareholder, a stakeholder has the mm -hmm. interest mm -hmm. of the business at heart. He's more concerned about the business than his paycheck. And, and I deal with many, many organizations as my clients where we have, through the increase of trust levels in the employment relationship, uh, get to the stage where employees refer or stakeholders refer to their organizations as my organization, my company, not because they own shares in the business, but because they are treated as shareholders and not employees. Well, here's hoping those in South Africa who are interested have certainly taken a couple of lessons and we'll be in a position tomorrow and going forward to implement some of your wise counsel. Thank you so much then, Professor at Stellenbosch University's Graduate School of Business, Professor Javi Selia. Thank you very much and good night. Excellent. So take care. All the best.